Heavenly Father, we bow before you, not because we are righteous, good, loving, but because you are good and you are great and you are awesome and your love never fails towards us and you're always there to forgive us of our sins and empower us in our weakness and lead us to walk in the ways of the living God. We thank you for this Sunday morning and as we are men and women who are easily prone to wander away from you, our minds are easily distracted and especially when we come online, it's a big challenge a lot to conduct ourselves with reverence, stay focused on your word, humble ourselves as your spirit ministers to our souls, allow your spirit to break us, convict us, humble us. We pray that you please do. Have mercy on us and pray for attention and brokenness of heart and a humble spirit to listen to your word and tremble at your word and submit to the authority of your word. We thank you, Lord, for all the members of the church and even for some who may be visitors. Pray that you enlighten our minds, convict our hearts, and please to minister to us and lead us to walk according to your word. And today we confess that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a sword in our hands. And we pray that you please do help us to allow your word to work wonders in our souls and give us your grace, O Lord, not to harden our hearts as we listen to your word, not to turn away from your word, not to turn our back against you. But as you speak to us, we pray that you create in us that holy reverence and submission and change us and use us to destroy the schemes of the devil and exalt the supremacy of the Lord Jesus. Once again, we rejoice and celebrate the gospel that our beloved Savior loved us and gave his life for our sins and rose from the dead because of whom we have become your children, because of whom we have become the church of the Almighty God, because of whom we have hope in every failure that we face in life. Oh, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for Deepika's testimony. Thank you for what you are doing in each one of our lives. And we pray that your will be done and your name be glorified. Be with us as we listen to your word. In the name of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, let's um, look into the word of God. And we will be continuing our series of sermons on spiritual Warfare. So far, we have listened to five parts from Ephesians chapter 6. We began from verse 10. And today, we will be looking into part 6. Once again, as a reminder to us, in the past, we have looked into the belt of truth, where Paul says that, put on the belt of truth to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then he also speaks in 14, breastplate of righteousness. We need to put on to stand against the schemes of the devil. And also, he reminds us to put on shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace in verse 15, against the schemes of the devil. Now, we need to understand that every armor, every weapon that Paul is speaking about, inspired by the Spirit of God, is to stand against the schemes of the devil because the devil hates us the devil is our greatest enemy and his desire is to devour our faith and hope in Christ so that we would be defeated in Christian living. And then we have seen the last Sunday 
very important verse chapter 6 verse 16 the shield of faith where paul writes in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and this is to stand against the schemes of the devil and today we will be looking at two more significant weapons the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and that's what we see in ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 where paul writes put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god and the reason we put on this armor is to stand against the schemes of the devil without the helmet of salvation without the sword of the spirit you cannot be a warrior in christian life now let's look at this important weapon helmet of salvation what is this now we know that uh, helmet is war on the head and if there is no helmet there is a danger to the head and we know that one of the significant parts of our body is head and we need to guard our head in order to be careful not to be assaulted by the evil one and this is a figurative language helmet is a figurative language explaining to us about the importance of putting on the spiritual weapon in the christian battlefield now can kentiox reminds us of what this helmet is used for in the first century he says here that the helmet had a band to protect the forehead and plates for the cheeks and extended down in back to protect the neck when the helmet was strapped in place it exposed little besides the eyes nose and mouth no soldier's uniform was complete without a proper helmet paul presents the helmet as a metaphor for salvation the helmet of salvation that we need to put on and why should we put on the helmet of salvation because we are facing the schemes of the devil and what are some of the schemes of the devil with regards to salvation that you and i need to be careful about one of the things that we see is the pollution of the mind that the gospel is in true there are a lot of people who believe that jesus is not a historical person jesus did not die for the sins of people much more jesus did not rose from the dead he did not rise from the dead resurrection is not true incarnation is not true atonement of christ on the cross is not true so they question the historical veracity of the gospel which is the pollution of the mind which is the schemes of the devil and there are lots of books written in our present time proving defending how the gospel of christ is true and we can trust in it but this is the scheme of the devil and we need to put on the helmet of salvation believing that the gospel is true and there are some people who believe that the gospel is true but the devil's scheme is to distort the message of the gospel what is the distortion of the message of the gospel taking people's focus from the atonement of christ on the cross for the forgiveness of the sins of people who sin against the holy god and have become the object of the wrath of god and bringing them to christ for wrong reasons believe in christ because you will be healthy believe in christ because you will be wealthy 
Believe in Christ because you will see and experience great miracles. Believe in Christ, you will be problem free. Believe in Christ, your life will be easy and cozy and comfortable in this world. So many people believe in Christ for wrong reasons, which is the distortion of the message of the gospel and that is the scheme of the devil. And there are some people that we see in the churches today who have been born into a Christian family. Their parents may be good Christians and some may be elders in the church. And they have the false assurance of salvation. They think that because they have been born into the Christian family, they are saved. But that is not true. No one is a born Christian. No one has the license to get into heaven because they have been born in a Christian family. There is no genuine faith and repentance in them. They have the false assurance of salvation, which is the scheme of the devil. My book, Authentic Christian, is especially has been written for such people. And then there is another scheme of the devil. There are those in the church who have genuine faith and they have repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, but they don't have assurance of salvation. They think that they enter into salvation, they enter into heaven and receive the gift of eternal life by their good works, which is actually the evidence of salvation, not the reason for salvation. And there are many such people in the churches today who don't have the assurance of salvation even after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is another scheme of the devil which is very prevalent in the churches today. And that is, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins, there is no security of your salvation. Your salvation can be lost. If you commit certain sins, you lose your salvation. And because of some weaknesses, you lose your salvation. So they live with fear to guard their salvation with the fear of losing their salvation, which I believe, which I also once upon a time believed this lie of the devil, that salvation can be lost, but that is not biblically true. And to some people, they may have all the, you know, proper characteristics, they, they have the proper understanding of the gospel, their message of the gospel is not distorted, they have the assurance of salvation, and they also believe in the eternal security of soul in the work of Christ on the cross. But the scheme of the devil here is that he blurs their future salvation. Which means there is no longing for heaven. There is no longing for the return of Christ who is coming to consummate our salvation and causes them to engross in present earthly affairs, suffering, affliction, joys, pleasures and all the activities and responsibilities of the earth where life is all about what will I eat, drink, what about my future, what about my children, what about my job, promotion, settlement, positions and their future salvation is blurred. They don't first put the kingdom of God and his righteousness in the front. They put the earth and the security of the earth front and they live a life of anxiety, carnality, greediness and there is the scheme of the devil and that's why we need to put on the helmet of salvation because the enemy is working 24 by 7 to attack your head to cause you to not put on the helmet of salvation and what is the helmet of salvation? If you look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 you may not have the proper understanding of it 
But if you look at 1 Thessalonians 5.8, which is written by the same author, we see a greater enlightenment of what this helmet of salvation is. We see here that since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now when God's word is telling about put on the helmet of salvation, what does it mean? It speaks about the assurance of salvation. It speaks about the security of salvation. It speaks about the hope of salvation that all believers have because they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The helmet of salvation that the word of God speaks here is the assurance of salvation. And if you look into the same book, Ephesians chapter 6, we have looked into that helmet of salvation. But if you go back to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 to 14, we see here how the helmet of salvation is beautifully portrayed here, encouraging believers that you have hope. Now look at what God's word is speaking to us this morning. And this has been returned to believers. Listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is not a second stage experience which we see in many charismatic circles. Receiving the Holy Spirit is the first stage final stage of receiving the spirit of God when you believe in Christ Paul writes here that when you believed in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit and Romans chapter 8 says that if you don't have the spirit of Christ you do not belong to Christ we have the spirit of Christ every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit but the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is a continuous experience which we need to seek the Lord in our daily Christian life. But why did God give this promised Holy Spirit? Now you know the seal means it is, it is endorsement from heaven. It is a guarantee. And what is a guarantee? The receiving of the Holy Spirit is the guarantee which is the present assurance of our inheritance. And what is his inheritance? Glorification. New heavens and new words. Glorified body free from sin and physical weaknesses and sicknesses. Eternal dwelling with the heavenly father. A life that is never going to end. And for this reason, the promise of the Holy Spirit has been given to give us a guarantee of our inheritance. The future salvation, consummation. Of salvation until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. None of us here have acquired the position of our inheritance. We are all waiting for that. We are all waiting for the day that we will be glorified. That we will see our heavenly father face to face. And that we will dwell with our Lord Jesus Christ who made us for his glory. With him forever and ever. And that is a longing every Christian has for future inheritance and that is a guarantee that is sealed for us none of us should doubt about it and that is what the helmet of salvation that we need to put on in order for us to give a, a proper understanding of this the bible speaks of salvation in three tenses one is the past which is if you believed in the lord jesus christ 
during the reception of salvation, repenting of your sins, trusting in Christ that he died for your sins and rose from the dead, you are saved. You have eternal life. That's what exactly 1 John chapter 5 verse 13 where the inspired author is writing to the believers saying here that I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. Now observe the word know. In Greek, it is a very strong word which means beyond hesitancy, beyond doubt. It is absolutely certain. If you have believed in the name of the Son of God, you may be certain, you may be sure, you may be absolutely having that assurance and confidence that you have eternal life. It doesn't say that you will have eternal life. You have eternal life already. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Listen to this carefully people. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. Eternal life begins the day you repent and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Death is only a speed breaker which you cross and continue to live with the Father in heaven forever and ever. How blessed are we as Christians to have this great reception of salvation. But the Bible also speaks about the present salvation that we have which is the security of salvation which means you are saved and your salvation cannot be lost. And the Lord Jesus himself said very clearly in the gospel of John chapter 10 verse 27 to 28. And this is what he declared and these are the words from the mouths of the Lord Jesus himself. He says here, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And now listen to this absolute statement that the beloved Lord Jesus made here. And they will never perish. Do you understand the meaning of never perish? When Christ gives you eternal life, you will never perish and no one can snatch them away from me. If you perish, the problem is not with your faith. The problem is with the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said that they will never perish. And I see that the confidence in Jesus saying that they will never perish because they have been elected before the foundation of the world. And our salvation is secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible also speaks about the future tense of our salvation, which is the consummation of our salvation, the fulfillment of our salvation. The experience of what we are hoping will come to fulfillment. And that's what we see exactly in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 to 5. Now listen to this inspired words of the Holy Spirit to us today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Two, which is the ultimate purpose. Two speaks about the goal of salvation. To an inheritance. Same thing what Paul speaks about in Ephesians chapter 1. To an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away. Every inheritance that we see here today is corruptible. It is defiled. It fades away. But the eternal inheritance that God has in store for his beloved ones is incorruptible and defiled and unfading. And you see what it says, reserved in heaven for you. 
God is longing to give us this inheritance when we reach his kingdom. But in the meantime, verse 5 says that who are kept. Now, this is what I like. Kept means preserved. Who are secured. Not by your own skills, not by your own knowledge, not by your own smartness. But your salvation is preserved by the power of God. Through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What? The Bible says that you already have salvation. But here it says that for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. On the last day. We are all waiting for this consummation of our salvation. So the Bible speaks about salvation in past tense. We are saved. In the future tense we are being saved. Securing our salvation by the grace of God. And in the future the consummation of our salvation. Where we are waiting for the glorification of our bodies. And for our eternal dwelling with our beloved maker of the heavens and the earths. And what a beautiful revelation that we see in the word of God. And I tell you my dear brothers and sisters, please to put on this helmet of salvation. If you are not putting on this helmet of salvation, your mind will be poisoned by the schemes of the devil. And I see a lot of people these days whose minds are poisoned by the devil, corrupted by the devil because they don't put on the helmet of salvation. Put on the helmet of salvation. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Don't become a victim of the schemes of the devil. Don't look to yourself. You are not the hope of your salvation. Don't look to your strength and weaknesses. You are not the hope of salvation. Don't look to the world. Don't look to the church. Don't look to the pastors. None of them are the hope of salvation. Our only hope of salvation and to whom we must uninterruptedly Having this focus is the maker of the heavens and the earth. The one who died for our sins and rose from the dead. The beloved Lord Jesus Christ. He is supreme. He is our hope. And he is the only one to whom we must look and have our eyes fixed upon him. Only then you will be persevering in your faith of salvation. So be encouraged my dear church this morning. Be encouraged. Strengthen your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the helmet of salvation. Every moment you need to have this. It's not that you had put yesterday and today you don't need the helmet of salvation. That time. Now listen carefully. The moment you receive or remove. The, the moment you remove this helmet of salvation. The enemy is waiting to attack your head. To devour you. So. Be careful. Until you reach heaven, you need to put on the helmet of salvation. Even when you're lying on the bed, you need to put on the armor of God. If you say that I'm going to the bed, I don't need to put on the armor of God, then the enemy is waiting 24 by 7 to ruin your hope of salvation. And the word of God also says that we need to put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now what's interesting about the sword of the spirit is this. After mentioning about the armor. Which are for defense. Every other armor that we see. Till now is for defense. Belt of truth. For defense. Breastplate of righteousness. For defense. Shoes fitted with the gospel of Christ. For defense. Shield of faith. For defense. Helmet of salvation. For defense. 
But now Paul writes about the offense to the evil one. The only way you can offend the enemy is by the word of God. He doesn't care about your philosophy. He doesn't care about your psychology. He doesn't care about your motivational thinking. He doesn't care about your emotions. He doesn't care about your opinions. He doesn't care about your tradition and culture. What he fears and trembles is the word of God. And that's the sword of the Holy Spirit. Now how do we wield, use the word of God? How do we really take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God? The best example that I want to take you to is to Matthew chapter 4. Which is a great historical incident where the Lord Jesus faced, combated with the devil face to face. Right before him the devil appeared and he was having this fight. And the way that the Lord Jesus being the son of God, the incarnated God fought against the devil's schemes and assaults is with the word of God. The best example to see how to take the sword of the spirit is to look into Matthew chapter 4 and consider, ponder over the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what happened when the enemy was constantly prodding him and pounding him with all kinds of schemes? What did he do? Three times people. In Matthew 4, 4, it is written. Matthew 4, 6. Again it is return. Matthew 4, 7. Again is it return. Every time he faced the temptation of the devil. Or the schemes of the enemy. He took up the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. But how did Jesus do that? Did he have mobile phone? Just to look into and say. Oh let me look in this passage. Or do you think that he was having. Carrying a hard copy Bible with him? No. He was a man who diligently studied the word of God. How did the Lord Jesus quote the scripture if he didn't study the scripture? He was a man of the word. He understood the importance of being filled with the word of God if he must be standing against the schemes of the devil. And he also understood being a human God man that if he neglected the word, the holy scripture, if he didn't study the word of God, if he didn't be filled with the word of God, he cannot stand against the schemes of the enemy. But so many Christians today, they don't have time to study the word of God. You know, it is said about uh, Harry Ironside. He was one of the great men in the recent history. You know, it is said that he is a man of little formal education. He was not a man who had great degrees and great uh, philosophical and academic knowledge. But he was a man filled with great power and he stood against the schemes of the enemy. He lived a very powerful Christian life. But you know how? It is said about him that by the age of 14 years, he read the Bible 14 times cover to cover from Genesis to Revelation. I know people who are 40 years. Even 50 years, they have never read the Bible from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. But here we see that by the age of 14, how many of us in this church who are above 14, do we read the Bible diligently like this man? People listen to this carefully. If you do not study the word of God diligently, you are inevitably, inescapably, Becoming a victim of the schemes of the devil. 
You cannot use the word if you don't study and know it. If you want to take up the sword of the spirit, you need to learn how to use the sword of the spirit. And the way you know how to use the sword of the spirit is by first studying it. Study. There are people who learn Bible interpretation. They don't study the Bible. There are people who listen to the sermons, but they don't study the Bible. There are people also who are preachers who preach a lot, but they don't study the Bible diligently. We must be students of the word of God. You know, it's been almost one month and I know how the enemy hates to keep us away from the word of God. And I wanted to read every day four chapters in the word of God, in the Bible, bury my mind. And I can see how many temptations are there every day not to study the word of God. And we must take efforts to do that. Today, people don't have time. Now, we need to understand that the scheme of the devil is to keep you away from the word of God. That's what he wants to do. Now, you need to understand here that you cannot use the sword of the spirit if you spend much time before television than before God's word. I'm not telling watching television is sin or it is not wrong. I watch it. But where do you spend more time? Before television or before God's word? You cannot use the sword of the spirit if you spend much time before mobile phone than before God's word. I have never seen anyone becoming powerful in Christian life. I have never seen anyone overcoming the schemes of the devil. I have never seen anyone living an unshakable, mighty, mature, invincible Christian life because they use their mobile phones all the time. You cannot stand against the enemy. And one of the schemes of the devil is to pull our attention constantly to the mobile phone. Not to the word of God so that you will be engrossed into the phone than before the word of God. I believe that mobile phones are a great blessing of God to this generation. So much of advantage. But I also see that, I remember what C.S. Lewis once said, the devil cannot create anything because he is not the creator. The only thing that he does is, everything that God created, he defiles it. He distorts it. He misuses it. And that's what is happening even today. God's gift of mobile phones have been abused by neglecting the word of God and spending more time with mobile phones. Ask almost every Christian, they feel guilty about it. That they are spending much time before the phone than before the word of God. You cannot use the sword of the spirit if you spend much time before social media than before God's word. Facebook doesn't empower you to stand against the schemes of the devil. Instagram is not going to equip you to fight against the schemes of the devil. WhatsApp is not going to fill you with power against the schemes of the devil. The only means that you and I receive power and encouragement in our faith is by spending before the word of God. You cannot use the sword of the spirit if you spend much time before computer than before God's word. And you cannot use the sword of the spirit if you spend much time with people than with God's word. There is another temptation. We spend so much time with people, but we don't take time. Get away from the crowd. Get away from people. Spend time in isolation so that we can meditate on the word of God. Too much fellowship with people is injurious to wealth when you neglect the word of God. And these are all the schemes of the devil to keep you away from the word of God. So my dear brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. And this is an encouragement to my own soul this morning. Get away from everything. 
flee from all distractions let us bury our mind in the study of the word of god without which we cannot stand against the schemes of the enemy studying the bible is not enough i know some people who study the bible diligently but we should also learn how to rightly interpret the word of god why it is important because the devil knows the bible word to word from genesis to revelation don't think he is ignorant of the bible he knows it to some people especially the carnal people he may use sinful pleasures to distract them but the people who are very serious in the christian faith who wants to pursue holiness he uses the very bible to take you away from the word of god in other words the devil is capable of using the word of god to take you away from the god of the word and that's why we need to learn also how to interpret the bible rightly to study the bible day and night and wrongly interpret it does more damage than to the person who doesn't know anything about the bible we see in matthew chapter 5 verse uh, chapter 4 verse 5 to 6 what did the devil do he quoted exactly there was no there was no misquoting of the scripture here and he quoted from psalm 91 11 to 12 what did he say he took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if you are the son of god throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone what is he doing then psalm 91 he quoted and telling him that nothing will happen to you if you jump from the top of the temple because the bible says that god will care for you and i've seen today you know people using psalm 91 i have even seen a song also you know uh if you if you cling on to the lord no plague will come to you and you take your and you stamp on corona right and you said that corona i stamp you storagana corona flee from me and corona will not touch you and everyone almost have become a victim of it psalm 91 is uh, you need to read ajit fernando's article on that uh, how much this applies to us and the context that we need to understand and a lot of people misunderstand this and because they don't know how to interpret the word of god rightly now listen to this carefully people wrong interpretation leads to wrong application of the word and does greater damage to your soul and the devil quoted the scripture verbatim but the intention of the text is distorted but what did the lord jesus do he rightly quoted the word saying that again it is written now he said the devil said now listen carefully the devil said for it is written observe this in verse 6 he says it is written and jesus says again it is written you shall not put the lord your god to the test in deuteronomy 6:16 now what is happening here there are two principles of interpretation that you should know here one is that the devil distorts the intention of the text and causes people to misapply the text the other temptation of the devil is to focus your attention on one isolated text of the scripture neglecting your attention to the holistic teaching of the holy bible 
and they only cling to isolated passages they ignore the immediate context they ignore the broader context they ignore the holistic context of the bible and they just cling to one text you look into the heresies today do you look into the cults today you look into the false teachings today all people quote the bible i have never seen a false prophet false teacher heretic cult following something because it is not in the bible but what they do is that they distort the meaning of the passage now what is the application here from the lord jesus what we need to learn is that first study the word of god diligently it is not enough we should also learn how to interpret the word of god when people come to me and ask that what is the first subject to begin with brother steven i often tell them without hesitancy learn how to interpret the word of god there are some people you know who don't want to read anything just the bible and they think that they will learn bible interpretation all by themselves no do you remember what eunuch said in acts chapter 8 how can i understand the passage unless someone helps me to understand the text and philip took him through what isaiah 53 was speaking about and we are in that stage all of us we need help i have learned bible interpretation from so many solid biblical authors i have learned from rc sproul i have learned from john macarthur i have learned from uh, howard hendricks i have learned from you know uh, a lot of lot of bible teachers and and i have been collecting the books i have been reading since the beginning of my christian life because right interpretation of the word of god is crucial for the right understanding of the word of god and if you don't rightly interpret the word you cannot use the sword of the spirit which is the word of god what is the scheme of the devil in distorting the meaning of the word for example the devil quotes and he quoted to so many people in christians today hey you know what matthew chapter 7 7 says ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you if you are sick pray and god will heal you absolutely no doubt about it because the bible says that he will give you will find and you will be open and if you need money pray god will give you because the promise of the scripture and when you don't experience it you will be disappointed and the devil comes and says see the bible says like this but did you receive did you receive everything you asked did you receive everything you sought did you receive everything you f- you 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 looked for no God is not loving towards you. You are not the beloved child of God. You know God is a deceiver and the Bible is not true. And that's how we misled so many people. But if the devil quotes Matthew 7:7, you need to be quoting 1 John 5:14. What is it saying? And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if he ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You defeated devil, don't you know? 1 John 5:14 says that God will answer us only if it falls into his will. But if you don't know this, you will become a victim of the enemy. The other one the devil may quote Psalm 91:10 because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent. But you must also quote that that's not the absolute promise for every person that's a general declaration of what god will do job 2:9 to 10 what did job say here his wife said to him do you still hold fast to your integrity curse god and die but job said to her you speak as one of the foolish women would speak shall we receive good from god and shall we not receive evil 
So Job understood that the evil that came upon him is because God allowed that evil to come. But Psalm 91 says that no evil shall be allowed to befall you. But here evil came upon Job. But in all this Job did not sin with his lips. And both are from the Old Testament. The problem is looking into one isolated text and ignoring the other texts. And even the devil quotes and many false preachers and teachers, prosperity peoples take this Deuteronomy 8.18 saying that you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. God wants you to make you wealthy. You should be rich. You should be having BMW, fancy mansion. You need to have all the accessories in your house and enjoy the comforts of life because the Lord himself said that he will give you power to get wealth. Become wealthy that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And I was reading, you know, one false teacher saying that, you know, this day means even today. God wants to give you power to get wealth. When this day is speaking about during the time of Deuteronomy and the covenant is a Sinai covenant made to the people of Israel. The swearing to the fathers is about speaking about the patriarchs of the Old Testament and this was to the people of Israel for a particular period of time. But the devil quotes it and many false teachers today have been misguided and misguiding many people today taking this scripture. But what does the broader context is speaking about? You quote 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-9 But godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into rich ruin and destruction. Do you see that people here? Bible says don't pursue riches. If God makes some people rich, praise God. But you should seek contentment. You should seek to find your sufficiency in Christ and not in the worldly wealth. And if you do that, you will plunge into ruin and destruction which has happened to so many people in prosperity churches today. Run away from them. Run away from the devil. He is using them to teach people about health and wealth gospel. You know, the last one which is very important that we learn from Matthew chapter 4 about wielding the sword of the spirit which is the word of God is memorize and wield the word of God. You need to fix the word in the mind people. Imagine if Jesus didn't study the word of God. Even if he had studied, if he studied but didn't memorize it, didn't meditate on it, he's not engrossed in that. And the devil was saying that, you know, turn these stones into bread. His mind is empty. There is no scripture in his mind. What would he be doing? That's how many Christians are today. They don't know to say it is written because they have never read what is written and they don't memorize what is written and they're not filled with what is written. Therefore, the word doesn't come. It is written. Jesus memorized it. He ate the word of God. You know, one of the interesting things that I find in the gospels is that When it comes to the life of uh, the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have plenty of verses that says that Jesus was early in the morning, went to pray, and during the time of the daytime, he went away and spent some time in isolation. And also, he spent time at nights in prayer. We see that when it comes to prayer, a lot of passages have been written. I have never found a single 
verse that says that Jesus was spending time studying the Bible. But I could see one thing. Everywhere he went, he spoke the word of God. He just spoke. He didn't open people. Very rarely he opened the scripture and taught. Every time when the person came and asked him the question, which is the greatest commandment? My goodness, I, I think uh, somewhere in the... Oh, I don't remember. He was not struggling. He just said that from Leviticus. What? Love the Lord your God with Deuteronomy and also Leviticus. He said that. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You see Jesus, people came and asked him questions. Some people were so critical to with, him, with him and he was just, just quoting scriptures. Many Christians today are well versed with the dialogues of the movies than with the dialogues of the Lord Jesus Christ. They know much about the carnal music of the world rather than the music of the word of God. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, if you don't memorize the word, if you don't seek to be filled with the word of God, you cannot wield the word of God. Brothers and sisters, I want to make one honest confession before you. And I don't share this with many people. I didn't even share with my family members because... um, I don't want to scare them and I don't want to face all this, uh, you know. But I'm telling you that I have literally had gone through hellish spiritual warfare in my life. Hellish I'm talking about. I cannot explain in words the torture that I had in my Christian life, especially in these recent years of maybe the last five years, the vehement assault of the devil on me. And you know, let me tell you this one thing. If there was no word of God in me, today I would have been in a mental hospital. Honestly, I don't exaggerate it. And I know the vehement attacks I faced on my mind. Today I would have been an insane. Definitely I would have gone. I would have become mad because the schemes of the devils were so powerful. And the only way that I could rise against the schemes of the devil is by saying it is returned. No, the Bible says this. The Bible says this. I believe in the word of God and I keep quoting the scripture to my soul, to my mind against the schemes of the devil and I could see great fear of the word of God rising in my heart, great strength to stand against the schemes of the devil and there were times that I could sense, you know, the devil was really struggling how to knock me down. It is only because Of the word of God. Not because of my smartness. Not because of my skills. No way. And I praise God for the scripture. Which has really practically taught me. How to fight against the schemes of the devil. In the spiritual warfare. Constantly turning my attention to what the word of God says. As Jesus from his memory. He was quoting all this from memory. At that time there were no. uh, uh, Codification. Codification means. You know Deuteronomy 8.3. There was nothing like that. The codification New Testament, Old Testament came in the 15th century. At the time, people used to just say, Deuteronomy says, or the scripture says. And that's what he was talking here. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, from Deuteronomy 8.3. And then he said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, from Deuteronomy 6.16. And then he again quoted Deuteronomy. All scriptures were for Deuteronomy. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. But in other passages, you see Jesus quoting Jonah, Jesus quoting Solomon, Jesus quoting even the creation. What God has joined together, let not man asunder. 
so many scriptures he was a man filled with the word of god because he studied and memorized the word of god and i tell you my dear brothers and sisters god has given us solid mind solid mind don't say that you don't have a good memory the problem is we are mentally lazy we have to memorize the word of god we need to eat the word of god we need to meditate on the word of god we need to imbibe the word of god digest the word of god and keep reminded of the word of god without which you cannot fight against the scheme of the devil i have no words to explain about the immense blessings that i have seen when i say blessings what i mean to say is the immense way god has given the wisdom and guided me mainly because of my devotion to read study learn how to read and interpret the bible and learn how to memorize the word of god and god in counseling i could see the scriptures just flowing in my mind in my preaching preparation i could see just scriptures flowing in my mind in my general walking and talking i could see scriptures flowing in my mind all because i have exposed myself to the word of god if you don't expose myself to the word of god then you will be disposed from victory that god has in store for you give yourself brothers and sisters to memorize and wield the word of god james boyce montgomery he makes a very important uh, there are some charismatics who made a big deal of rima and logos but uh, james boyce montgomery a very good bible scholar who passed away a few years ago but he was known as one of the great pillars of the inerrancy of the scripture and this is what he says in one of his uh, commentaries while logos embraces nearly everything which is the general all written word of god Rema has a slighter weight. It really means a saying. In this case, a particular, specific portion of God's written revelation. John three sixteen is a rema. Romans three twenty three is a rema, and so on for all the other specific portions of the written word of God. It is important to see this, as I said, because according to Paul's teaching, we are to overcome Satan by the particular words or portions of Scripture, which means. you know in what situation what particular scripture you need to use in order to stand against the schemes of the devil that is what rema is you know there are some christians when they sleep they put the bible near the pillow and they think that the devil will not come near to them if they put the bible near the pillow <laughs> i am telling you people you put the bible near the pillow satan has put the bible in his mind he knows what to word what why will he be scared about that just because you put the bible near your pillow do you think that it is scared about it he has the bible in his mind you get into the mind you get into the heart treasure the word of god in the heart bible says that these words that i command you today should be in your hearts word outside is not going to help you word inside will empower you against the schemes of the devil do you understand what i'm saying word outside is not going to help you word inside is going to empower you to face the schemes of the devil learn how to study the word kentucks gives a very good challenge kentucks is one of the great expository bible teachers of our time he still lives praise god for his wonderful life and ministry he says here a big challenge now listen to this carefully brothers and sisters if christ the divine man in battling satan while here on earth did so with the sword of the word how much more 
do we frail weak men and women need to wield that same sword if we are to be victorious do you think brothers and sisters what a great challenge it is if christ had to use the word of god to stand against the schemes of the devil do you think that you can stand against the schemes of the devil without the word of god without studying without memorizing without rightly interpreting without being filled with the word of god no young people who just believe in the lord jesus they are gone when they spend more time with other things than with the word of god gone you know one of the ways i see a lot of people today believe in the lord jesus for a few days they will be nice and gone the passion is gone the devotion is gone and they just show up their spirituality on sundays but daily life there is nothing but i have learned in my christian life and i remember since the time i was born again giving myself to much study of the word of god how that preserved me how that guarded my salvation how that it empowered me to continue to follow the lord jesus christ in times of discouragement or depression or in times of the temptation of the devil or the allurements of the world in every situation the word of god is your only strength and sword to stand upon people and that's what exactly the song says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my paths nothing in this world is a light for you look to the word of god and now i understand as i read matthew chapter 4 why eve was defeated what did eve do when the devil came and tempted him tempted her she was defeated because she did not take up the sword of the spirit and said that this is return it is return i don't believe you devil that if i eat the fee, if, if i eat the fruit i will not die because the word of god says the day you eat you will die i don't believe you i believe the word of god Eve did not do that like many Christians today. When the lies of the world, the lies of the devil, that the the feelings of the flesh or whatever your heart says. People listen to this there are constantly voices coming into your mind from your sin which is in you, that depraved nature from the world, from the devil, from the people around you constantly. But if you don't say it is written, if you don't say it is written, If you don't say it is written you're gone just like the way Eve was gone because she did not take up the sword of the spirit against the schemes of the devil and as we come close i want to remind you of what 1 John 2:14 says what i have returned to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning now see what it says here in the second part of verse 14 i have returned to you young men because you are strong and the word of god abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one the reason you are strong is not because you are smart you are good looking it is because you have great skills no it is because the word of god abides in you if there is no word of god in you there is no strength in you do you listen to this people the reason why you are weak today is because there is no word of god abiding and you are not meditating on the word of god you have the head knowledge intellectual knowledge but there is no life of contemplation meditation on the word of god which empowers us to live a strong life against the schemes of the devil i would like to close this with again last week i quoted what uh, the pilgrim did against the monster against the apollyon 
which is a beautiful novel written in the 17th century, The Pilgrim's Progress. And after they took the shield of faith, which I have explained the last week, right away after that, this is what happens. This is how the story goes. Christian drew his sword, for he saw it was the time to rose himself to action. Apollyon quickly responded by throwing darts as thick as hail. And even with all the skill he could muster, Christian could not deflect them all. Apollyon inflicted wounds to his head, wounds to his hand and to his foot. Christian retreated a little, he took some little rest and Apollyon pressed more forcefully. Yet Christian took courage and resisted as fearlessly as he could. This agonizing combat lasted for more than half a day until Christian was almost exhausted. For you should know that because of Christian's wounds, he inevitably grew weaker and weaker. What happened later? Then Apollyon spotted his opportunity because he took rest, because he felt weak and he just relaxed. And then the devil took the opportunity. He began to press closer to Christian, wrestle with him and threw him hard to the ground. Christian's sword flew out of his hand. Apollyon's teeth showed in a sneer. I am sure of you now. The monster drew closer, intending to inflict a mortal wound, which is to kill him completely. Christian began to despair for his life. He was so afraid. He felt so weak and he felt hopeless. But as God would have it, while Apollyon are prepared to make his final blow to destroy this good man, Christian nimbly reached out his hand and gripped his sword, which is the word of God. And he cried out, Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. What did he quote? Mika chapter 7 and 8. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. He took up the sword of the spirit. With that Christian gave Apollyon a deadly thrust. The monsters drew back like someone who had received a fatal wound. Christian recognized the opportunity and moved in on him again saying, But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Again he quoted the sword of the spirit, the Rema, Romans 8.37. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The devil, you cannot do anything. You may use all the gimmicks and you may throw all the flaming darts against me. Let me tell you, remind me of what Romans 8.37 says that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Apollyon spread his dragon wings and quickly took to the air and flew away until Christian no longer saw him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words of encouragement that you give us every day when we study the Bible. Every time we come together as a church and listen to your word. Lord, what foolish people are we in the battlefield of Christian faith and don't put on the whole armor. And sometimes we put away the helmet of salvation and struggle, question our salvation, struggle and question your love towards us. And get engrossed in these worldly affairs, forgetting our future glorification. And how many of us, O oh Lord, neglect your word, neglect to spend time before your word. O oh Lord, you forgive us of our sins of idolatry, idolatry of uh, 
too much uh, spending time with the electronic gadgets, idolatry of too much engrossment into the earthly affairs and don't spend time with your word. Don't give our best time and sufficient time to meditate, to study because when we are filled with the word of God, only then we will be standing against the schemes of the devil. Lord Jesus, please to forgive us for being naked soldiers in the battlefield, constantly facing the assaults and wounded by the devil. And today we pray, Lord, that you please to give us that seriousness. Even now the devil is working, O Lord. He doesn't want us to take this word seriously. He doesn't want us to offend him by the sword of the Spirit. He doesn't want us to put on the helmet of salvation because he has been enjoying wounding us and he's been enjoying seeing us anxious, fearful, disappointed, depressed, and uh, running after the pleasures of the world. It takes great delight, O Lord, because that's his victory. Oh Lord, may we stop this fooling around in this Christian life. May we get back to your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. We ask you that you give us your grace to be warriors, not be defeaters. Oh Lord, today we put on the helmet of salvation. We take up the sword of the spirit. We put on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes fitted with the gospel of peace and take up the shield of faith with which we extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. And we pray that you please to have mercy on us and preserve our salvation. Guard us, O Lord, as we eagerly wait for the future consummation of our salvation where we will be seeing our beloved Savior face to face and in whose presence all the worldly pleasures become a stench. And we will be beating our heads and thinking about how foolish were we that we run after, ran after the filth of the world, ignoring the pleasures of God. Oh, come, O Lord Jesus, soon and take us to be with you forever and ever. We are sick in this world. We are tired in this world. We are deceived in this world. We are beaten in this world. But Lord, your word is there for us to guide us into all the truth. So may we cling on to your word. May we be led by your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you please to lay your hand upon us and empower us and guide us and use us for the glory and honor of your name. Thank you so much for your words of encouragement. May we humbly receive it, not harden our hearts, not be casual towards it, not put off, but put on and live a victorious life for the glory of your name. In the name of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ, we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message. We believe you have been greatly encouraged in your heart. Stephen David also writes articles that are relevant to today's generation. You may read them on his blog www.messageforourage.blogspot.com I repeat www.messageforourage.blogspot.com you may also email him at cstephendavid at gmail.com. I repeat, c-s-t-e-b-h-e-n-d-a-v-i-d at g-m-a-i-l dot c-o-m. Grace and peace be to you.